Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 156 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me for another fabulous episode. And uh, for this episode, I am going to be talking to Alex Grodnick. He is the podcast host of Wall Street Oasis. And uh, let me give you a little breakdown of uh, you know what his bio is, because man, he's a fascinating guy. We get more into it in the episode, but I just kind of want to share a few things. So he is a currently the VP of business development for a fintech startup in LA. Uh, But before that, he was in investment banking, digital media, and business development for about nine years. And he began his career as an analyst with uh, JP Morgan. And uh, really, his background is in that kind of investment banking, kind of like the Wall Street type thing going on, which for me, I don't know. Honestly, a lot of people that uh, have done that as their career, I always kind of find it fascinating. And like, I used to, you know, work on Bay Street in uh, Toronto, where all of those kind of uh, people were. But I never had a really good inside look into like, what is that life all about? Like, what's what's going on in there? Is it really like you know Wolf of Wall Street or any you know any of those movies out there? Probably not. Um, So we dive into a lot of like, what is what is it all about? Being an investment baker, working on Wall Street, and all that kind of stuff. And then we kind of switch gears a little bit to talk about what he's doing now. So he's not doing that uh, now. He kind of um, switched his focus and is, you know, he really really pursued his uh, passion. And he was able to do that because he was very smart with his money. And he shares how he was able to do that. And at the end of the day, you'll kind of realize, wow, it's actually really not that complicated. It's actually quite simple. You don't have to do a lot of, uh, you know, crazy things in order to kind of reach financial independence, be where you want to be, save up uh, and grow your money, which is kind of, again, a, a you know theme from a lot of the interviews I've been doing uh, for this season, which for me, the more people I talk to, and hopefully it's the same for you, the more people you listen to sharing their stories about financial independence, about early retirement on the show, the more it'll it doesn't seem like such a crazy idea. If all of these people you know, that didn't start off being wealthy, were able to uh, achieve this, then why not you? This doesn't seem like such a crazy idea. Anyway, so we get into a lot of that in this episode, so I know you're going to love it. Uh, But before I get to that interview with Alex, um, just a few words about this episode's sponsor. Freelancers and small business owners, I feel you. Tax season is in full swing, and I bet there's a good chance that many of you are trying to dig your way out from underneath a pile of receipts and spreadsheets. Do yourself a huge favor and stop digging. Before you completely disappear under that abyss of paperwork, go and check out FreshBooks cloud accounting software. Not only is it going to save you a ton of time and stress, it might actually change the way you feel about dealing with your taxes. Need to send your accountant a quick summary on the amount of tax you've collected last year? How about pulling together a profit and loss summary? FreshBooks can generate these reports in seconds instead of the hours it would take you to do them manually. You can even set up FreshBooks to import expenses directly from your bank accounts. Which means next time you use your debit card for that meal, tank of gas, or new computer, boom, the purchase is recorded instantly into FreshBooks. All this and FreshBooks is ridiculously easy to use. It's made especially for people who don't like dealing with numbers and their taxes. And right now, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash M-O and enter Momony Podcast in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Once again, that's freshbooks.com slash M-O and enter Mo Money Podcast in the How Did You Hear About Us section. 
Hi, Alex. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Mo Money Podcast. It's uh, a treat to have you on. Yeah, good to be here, Jessica. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. Um, so you have a very interesting background. I'd like to get into it a little bit because uh, although I'm very in the kind of personal finance world, you're in a world that I really don't, I, I, I don't have the insider. I don't know too many people in there. I've never been welcomed in there because I don't have the special keys or whatever it is. And what I'm talking about is kind of like the Wall Street world. Um, and I would love to know, like, how, how did you, how did you get into that world? Like, it doesn't seem like a super sexy thing to like, oh, I want to, well, maybe it is sexy working on Wall Street. Maybe that is sexy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I used to I used to think it was sexy. That's the whole reason I got into it was I thought, oh, I want to go work at the top of the finance world and be working on deals and companies buying other companies and and uh, you know, my all of my family members, everyone's entrepreneurs. My dad's oh, entrepreneur. Oh, are they? His dad's entrepreneur, my mom's parents. So like that was kind of entrepreneurship was always inside of me. And growing up, I was always an entrepreneurial kid. I was like the lemonade stand, car wash, selling, yep. you know, junk door to door, whatever I could. Um, but I don't know, there was something in me that always said, oh, I want to go get like a great training. I want to go work for Goldman Sachs. I want to go. <laughs> like at, at what age? I hope not like, you know, 10. I want to work at Goldman Sachs, you know. <laughs> uh, it wasn't 10, but it wasn't that long after. Really? And, Honestly, so I didn't get a job at Goldman Sachs. I worked at JP Morgan. Still pretty good. <laughs> most most people that are there have known for a long, long time that they wanted to get that because it's, yeah. it's so it's not a, necessarily something you fall into. If you go to the right school, uh, you can fall into it. Right. But if you don't go to the right school and the right school, there's like six of them. If you don't go to one of those six, then no, it is going to require a very deliberate pattern and thought process and cold emailing and like hundreds of cold emails and mm. trying to get coffees. And so uh, you really have to have a thick skin and when it comes to being rejected because you're going to get a lot of rejections. But the good thing is when you're a student, people are usually pretty receptive to jumping on the phone with you if you're in the same city, grabbing a coffee with you. I actually just got my MBA uh, from UCLA and so in Los Angeles. So I was, again, a student and yeah. I was email emailing people, even higher level people. I was emailing CEOs yeah. and they were saying yes. And so it's huh. fun having that UCLA email address. So when you mentioned the the six schools, are you kind of talking about like the American Ivy League schools or, or, or are there specific ones for getting into to kind of investments and, and finance that yeah, industry? Yeah, it's not, it's, not it's not all Ivy League schools. I mean, uh, University of Pennsylvania is one of them, but mm-hmm. uh, University of Western Ontario. Oh, really? Is, that is... I mean, that's on par with, with Wharton. For right? I didn't, getting, I had no idea. Yeah. That they have this business school there called the Richard Ivey School of Business. Uh-huh. And they, what they make is investment banking soldiers. Oh my God. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you guys come out of there. They're like, they, their resumes are ordered in terms of their class rank. They all look exactly the same. They've all known from a very young age they wanted to do this. And oh, so gosh. they go to that school. They like are in, you know, student investment funds and all sorts of uh, finance related activities at school and they come out and then they go work across all the banks at wall street. Mm-hmm. They stay in Toronto, some of them, but most of them are probably. Yeah. Our, our wall street is the Bay is Bay street. So it's yeah. close. Yeah. A lot there. Same and then thing. actually a lot in Los Angeles too. There's like a mm. track record of a lot of these Ivy kids coming to LA and they do investment banking for two years, which 
I mean, it's people are kind of familiar with investment banking. It's, you know, you work in these hundred hour weeks and you're advising companies on buying M and a buying companies and then issuing debt and equity. So if they need yeah. to raise capital and they're analysts. So you're at the bottom totem pole of the deal teams and you're building financial models and putting together PowerPoint presentations and that's it. Excel and PowerPoint all day oh, long, okay. every day. Uh, and a lot of like, doing nothing in the office, frankly, uh, <laughs> way investment banking works is like a lot of it from nine to five, the, the partners will be on calls and sometimes they'll go to the calls and sometimes you're not, but from nine to five, you're generally not that busy. Then when the partner starts to think, okay, I'm going home. Here's what I want. Here's all the work I want to see tomorrow morning. Then he comes by your desks, drop off some work for the morning. You know, he says, don't work all night on this. Like, and you're you know, like, well, I have to, but no problem, boss. <laughs> yeah. So you work till, you know, two, three, four in the morning on it. Oh my god. Come gosh. back in the next day at like, you know, nine, nine thirty, maybe 10, if it's been a really late night, same thing, nothing all day long. You're like watching, you know, movies in the office. And then at five o'clock, the game starts again. That sounds um, not super fun. So why would, why would someone want to get into that? Or is, are you just saying that is kind of just like, you know, paying your dues in the first couple of years and then it gets better after that? Uh, so <laughs> does I'd it get better? I'd like to say that it gets better, but if that, I mean, it does, you do make a lot of money. I mean, they pay these kids that are 21 years old, over a hundred grand their first year out of college. So wow. there is, there is, but a lot of that compensation compensates you for giving up your entire life. Because yes, you probably don't have time for like a relationship or friends or family or fun. <laughs> well, sometimes you think you do because it's like, oh, it's Friday night. It's five o'clock. I'm getting out of here. And then at like 530, they come by. It's like, okay, here, here's some weekend work. And you're like, oh, I was to go to San Diego this weekend. Nope, not anymore. It just so, sounds like office space where they're like, oh, can you come in on Saturday too? Thanks. <laughs> you're like, yeah. you have to say yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, now, like investment banking used to be like the number one job that people from yeah. Ivy or, or Wharton or, or whatever it was wanted to get. But now all, all these tech companies, Google and Facebook and Netflix even, they're taking a lot of the top talent and you don't have to work as much on the weekends and you don't have to work till one in the morning every night. And yeah, maybe you don't make quite as much money, but it's like a lot of the top talent is going to these other types of companies. And so they've got competition. And now a lot of the investment banks are doing like what they call like protected weekends and like your Blackberries, they still issue Blackberries. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Blackberries will like shut off at Friday night at like seven o'clock and won't turn on again until like Saturday night. So you have like a protected day. And so, and like things like that to try to compete because a lot of the top talent is not going to investment banking, but still Mm -hmm. a lot of it is. And so the way the path works is you graduate from University of Western Ontario, you go Mm -hmm. to work for Goldman Sachs, you're there for not quite six months and the buy side firms, private equity and hedge funds. This is why people do investment banking. It's a means to an end. So these buy side funds start recruiting six months into your job. You've only been in the job for six months. And that's really not that much time to learn the job, is it? No. You you basically don't have much idea of the job. They're basically just looking to see who you are and you're smart and you're hardworking. Uh, And so you start recruiting for these private equity funds that don't start, that don't, the job doesn't start for 18 months longer. So you finish your investment banking analyst program, which is two years, and then you leave, but you get a job 18 months before, like talk about competition. Uh, And then, so the traditional path is called two, three, two. So two years of investment banking, then you get that next private equity job for three years, and then you go to business school for two years, and then usually back to a private equity fund or you start a business. 
Wow. So it's nice that it's like all laid out and there's like an actual path because I feel like most people that don't go the route, like they are kind of told the, the path. Like if you want to be successful in whatever you want to do, go to university, get good grades, get a job, stick around for like as long as you can. And then you can kind of hop to a couple jobs throughout your career and then retire. Um, but that actually is just a bunch of BS because it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> like everyone just has a degree and they're drowning in debt. Um, but it sounds like, at least when it comes to investment banking, that no, that's still the path and people can still make money. But it does sound like you do, even though things are getting better, there's a bit of a sacrifice in terms of work-life balance, there not being any balance. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, you can make, you can be making, you know, close to a million dollars by the time you're 30, but you've have to sacrifice those, you know, eight, nine, 10 years of your life. You have nothing going on besides, besides work. And like a lot of people be like, oh, like sign me up. I'll do that. And then you get to it and it's like, ah, it's not, it's really, really has to come from like deep within yeah, your Yeah, you've got to want to do it because yeah, there's, well, and one thing that I wonder too, and I feel like I read a book about this was a lot of people get into it for the money. Hey, you can make really great money. That's awesome. But most people don't like, oh, this is a great way for me to just save up and then I can quit and do what I, you know, something a little less stressful or retire early or whatever. Do, do you think most people actually kind of do the dumb thing in that they just spend all of the awesome money that they're, so they're really not making any progress and they're kind of stuck uh, in this cycle. Well, it's, it's tough to spend the money when you're working so much. Okay. <laughs> so maybe not, but yeah, maybe, maybe but not. There definitely are people that do, especially in New York. I mean, like, Oh, so it's expensive there to just get an apartment. It's expensive, but you're, you're living the life. And when you're not working, you feel like, Oh, I, I've earned, you know, buying this table at a nightclub and I've yeah. earned going on this ski vacation. And, um, and it's kind of like the culture it's, it comes from top down, you know, the partners like are making lots of money and they're throwing lots of money around and, you know, mm-hmm. they're buying fancy cars and watches. And so you kind of just, you're a part of it. Um, yeah. but, 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 but yeah, you know, I just kind of what you were talking about of like the path, there is no path in life. There's no straight no. line to six. There's no straight line to success. I mean, yes, a lot of these people, they do investment banking, they go to private equity, they go to business school. And I have friends that have done that same path. I mean, I fell off of it, but we can get into why. I fell yes. Off of it. But, but I have friends that have done that path and they're like, you know what? I, it's not for me anymore. And they just leave. And they what, try do they end up, what, do, what do these people end up doing after? Because especially when you have all that very specific, you know, uh, skill set, like how do you transfer that somewhere else? Uh, so, well, one friend is traveling the world right now. Oh, that sounds uh, nice. <laughs> and he's planning on moving to Germany afterwards and want, he wants to work in tech. Okay. And, good, yeah. you know, there's understanding finance, like I was talking about kind mm-hmm. of in the beginning is like you understand the uh, structure of a business, what, mm-hmm. what businesses are based on. You can understand why businesses work and why they don't. And so there's a lot of yeah. applications for it. People value this, this skill set, And so you can work really in, in any industry kind okay. of in like a strategy, business development, finance type yeah. role. Um, or if you're more entrepreneurial minded, which mm-hmm. I was, which is mm-hmm. why I fell off of it, you can try to start a business and go from making lots of money to making very, very little money like yeah. what I'm doing right now. Okay. Let's get into what, what made you drop off, you know, fall off the wagon, so to speak. Yeah. So, you know, investment banking is great. You get this incredible skill set. They call it dog years. You know, you learn seven years worth of stuff for every one year you've been there and you mm-hmm. get all these exit opportunities and it's great, but your role is very, very defined. So they say, okay, Alex, you're an analyst or Alex, you're an associate. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to 
build financial models, and then put together really pretty PowerPoint presentations with that financial information. And you're like, well, I've got this idea of how we can get to this company. And then, no, Alex, stop. This is, this is what you do. And someone like me who's you know, creative, more, more creative and entrepreneurial thinking, I never really was great at just doing what I was told all day long. I always yeah. said, oh, I, can, I see a better way. And they don't want you, you're not, they're not paying you to see other no, way. No, they don't care. Yeah, unfortunately. And yeah. so I went to business school to try to find like, what can I do? How can I apply you know, my skill sets, these, all this stuff I've worked really hard to get, this knowledge, but that fits kind of my personality more. And I can tell you, in, when I went to business school, the most impactful moment of school for me was I was in this one class, and it was like a communications type class, and we wrote down the five times, or th- three or five times, when we felt like we've been our most authentic selves. And mm-hmm. the professor defined authentic self as you feel like you're firing on all cylinders, using all of your capacities, really just really crushing it. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote down all these times, and now I'm looking at this piece of paper and I'm like, wow, every single one of these times I wrote down, I was like starting a business, doing something entrepreneurial. And I'm like, wow, light bulb. Clearly I need to be doing something, you know, on yeah. my own or myself. And so then in school, I started a little podcast. It kind of got some traction. Now I help businesses start podcasts and I'm involved in something completely not podcasting, but a mobile payments startup. We built this app for groups to collect and track money. So I've got a couple different entrepreneurial things going on right now. Um, yeah. I think that's and- a good practice for anyone to do if they're like, I'm super unhappy at what I'm doing or I feel like I need to make a change, but I don't know what. I like that. I just like write down, like, when did you feel your authentic self? That's really, hmm, I like that. Yeah, I would totally recommend anyone to do that. Just start, start thinking about it because you're right. Identifying what you want to do is, I would say that that's two-thirds of the problem. It's yeah. who knows what you want to do. But you start thinking and writing down like what I'm good at, what I like doing, and, and, and you'll start to kind of find something. Um, you know, I mean, you like write down, I like watching TV. You're, that's tough. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know, <laughs> maybe. You know, I like watching TV and going out to the bar with my friends. Uh, I mean, you can think of like, maybe there's some ways to, to put something together. Yeah, maybe there. we could have a YouTube channel. I don't know that like comments on TV, but yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, I was, I was actually working for a venture capital fund while I was in uh, getting my MBA and I was listening to podcasts and I was driving all around town to these meetings and I thought I can make a podcast and I'm talking to so many interesting people. So that's just kind of how it started. Like I never thought, Oh, I'm going to be a, a professional podcaster. You just, you just kind of fall into these things. Yeah. You just like, I'm just going to try this out. And that's exactly how I fell into it. Almost uh, been doing this for almost three years and it was literally just an idea I had. And I'm like, huh, that might be fun to try out. And, and then I realized, wow, this is, awesome. And honestly, the best part is talking to people, finding out their backgrounds and stories. How else would you have an opportunity to do that and ask all of your questions? It's amazing. Right. Like people like you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. And people like yourself. This is very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so how long have you, I guess, been doing your own thing? Uh, so I graduated from business school in May of 2017. So it's oh. uh, almost, almost a year one, now. Yeah. Almost one and year. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of what I said before. I went from making lots of money to making very little money, but there's a lot of um, metrics that, I, that I'm looking to be checked. And basically every single one of them is being fulfilled right now. 
and the money thing, maybe, hopefully that will, that will come down the line. But like, I have got like fulfilled. I feel like I'm living up to my potential. I'm like meeting so many interesting people. Uh, so I, I, there's a lot of me that's really firing on all cylinders right now. I'm like more busy than I've, than I've really ever been. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's, it's cool. And you know, I'm, I'm passionate about it. So I'm sure the money will, will eventually follow. If you're good at something, you've got the passion, the money will always follow. I mean, sometimes not when you want it to. So you do have to kind of stick to things, but uh, I'm sure you'll be just fine. But before you uh, made that decision to, because you were, you said you were working, you were also going to school, doing your MBA. That sounds very busy. Um, how did you make preparations, I guess, for your own kind of like financial situation? So you weren't just, you know, uh, I, I quit my job and I actually didn't think about how I'm going to live like, how did you prepare it? Did you have like a sizable emergency fund? Did you have a couple, you know, things that you knew were going to definitely going to be able to be some streams of income? Yeah. So I was one of the smart investment bakers that saved like almost everything awesome. I made. And, uh, I was investing it like heavily in the stock market. And so mm. I graduated from school in 2009 at the bottom of the crisis. Ooh. I've been investing in the stock market ever since then. So I've had so many companies that have like doubled, tripled, quadrupled. Yeah. Uh, and again, like the stock market's another thing. It's like, oh, it's mysterious. It's hard. And eh, it's like one of these things where just like a business, you just start doing it and you get comfortable. You get better at it. So what, yeah. yeah, actually I'd be really interested to know what is your kind of personal investing strategy? You mentioned stocks. Uh, I talked to a lot of people on the show. They're all about kind of passive investing through index funds and ETFs and stuff like that. What are your kind of thoughts on all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I like risk. Uh, if you couldn't, if you couldn't, <laughs> Clearly. If you couldn't tell. <laughs> so yeah, I like to invest in company. You know, when I was working in investment banking, I'd get exposure to so many different industries and companies and you'd see cool things. And while I never like, you know, did insider trading, mm-hmm, you would, mm-hmm. you would get like ideas for, yeah. for, for investments. And, stuff. and, and so I would be implementing that. And basically we've been in like an incredible bull market, you know, which means yeah. the stock market going up. So it's, it's been tough to lose. Have you uh, lost anything? Like, has anything, because that's kind of like, you know, we're talking about uh, stocks and risk. A lot of people think, you know, oh, I know this guy. He made so many, so much money off stocks. It's great. And then, then there's also the other stories like, oh, I know this guy. He lost everything in stocks. Well, you, no one's lost everything right now. If you were, no. were invested pre-2009, but I did invest in, uh, like, this was not in the stock market. I invested in like a cryptocurrency mining operation in 2000, late 2014, early 2015. So too early. Too early. And we were mining cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and all sorts of stuff. And we were converting it to cash every night. And then eventually we started holding the Bitcoins. But then the, like, this was when Bitcoin was worth $500, $300. And we were selling it all the time. And the, the, the investment got me my money back and like, I don't know, maybe like a 5% return or something. And now, oh my God, I, I had so many Bitcoins at, at three, four, $500 and I sold them all. So... But you know, well, that's the thing though. It's like, oh, with cryptocurrency, I get so many questions about that. And I'm like, ah, like it's just, it's so risky and it's so new. You, there's literally no way to predict the outcome. There's just, you know, how would you know? I mean, the fact that you even made 5%, it's pretty good. Cause I know a lot of people probably, you know, sold at the really wrong time and lost, you know, quite a bit. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I, you know, my outlook is if you're making money, you can't be upset with yourself. Like, yes, never oh, 100%. Buy it. You're never going to buy at the bottom or sell at the very top. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, you sell it, you make money on a stock. Sometimes like I've made a hundred percent return on a stock and I sell it and it's like, great. I just doubled my money and the stock goes up another hundred percent. Like, yeah. yeah, I wish I you know still held it, but you can't be upset with that. 
I know. And that, and that is like the thing too, with stocks specifically, my husband's just started to kind of get into it. He has some friends uh, from uh, high school that are really getting good at it. And that's all they talk about. Like it's like their second job. They're so obsessed with it. And it is like so emotional, right? Like, I don't know, maybe you're good at it. Maybe because you have that background, it doesn't, it's not such an emotional connection, but I just know like when it's up, you're just elated. When it goes down, you're like, oh my God, maybe I made the wrong choice. And it's, you're always just second guessing. Like, do you feel like there's any kind of emotions when it comes to when you're investing or, or do you kind of have just a strategy for not letting it affect you that way? Well, of course we're humans. Yeah. <laughs> emotions when you're like up money or losing money, yeah. but professional investors don't. No. They well, have, I guess it's not their money. So it's, you have a little bit of, well, it's, it's well I guess a, it's still your job. You don't want to be bad at your job, they right? probably still have some of their money invested in commingled in with it, but uh, you got to have just, you know, you have conviction of, I picked the right company. I think long-term this is going to go up. And if you buy it and it goes down 15, 20%, like you should probably be buying more. Mm. And you should like, that's the tough part versus being like, Oh, I'm wrong. No. If like you've done your research, you've made the correct decisions, you follow your, your patterns, then it goes down, you buy more. And then when it goes up, you know, but like, if it goes way down, you have to be like, Oh, maybe I like, you know, misanalyze something here. And then sometimes you have to, to reset your assumptions. Mm-hmm. So for your own kind of investing with stocks, like how long do you, like how, how much time does it take out of your day to do that? Oh, like nothing? Uh, yeah. I mean like I'm always, so like my mindset is I'm always just like reading things about business and mm-hmm. companies and like, you know, I read the newspaper. And, uh, so I, I'm kind of always thinking about it, but like I'm rarely like buying and selling stocks, like, you know, right. every maybe once a quarter or something like that. Yeah. Really anyone who's young should be investing like the way Warren Buffett says to invest is when you buy and you never, ever, ever, ever sell. Yeah. That's how you get, that, that's how you make real money. Like the compounding of interest, the compounding of returns yes. over long, long periods, over decades. You're not going to, no, no one is going to be able to like beat the stock market. Like the stock, even People there are getting paid millions and tens of millions of dollars. Over time, Warren Buffett's a different thing, but over time, you're not going to outperform the stock market. So as mm-hmm. you talked about like investing in funds, the yeah. important thing is just being, being invested. Over yeah. time, the ups and downs, like generally the stock market returns historically like 9% per year. So mm-hmm. if you can just stomach that volatility, put money in and forget about it, yeah. that's, that's the best way to do it. And so like if you, for me, I, you look at companies like an Amazon or a Facebook you have the thesis, are these companies going to be more important in 10 years from now than they are today? And if you think the answer is yes, put some money in there and forget about it for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Don't Mm -hmm. look at it. Don't touch it. Don't get your emotions caught up in the daily swings of these things because that's what will kill you. Yeah. And that's how you make the real, that's how you make real wealth. Yeah. That is so comforting that you said, cause I had no, you know, like, again, you have this investment banker, you know, background. It's nice that you're like, Oh no, this, <laughs> I love that. Um, what, are, what are your kind of thoughts on, um, cause I know some people get really into like, you know, really, uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is when you are investing in stocks, there's lots of different ways you can do it. You can do it with obviously your own money. You can like borrow on margin and stuff like that. There's derivatives and options, what do you think about all that kind of stuff? To me, it's a bit too foreign and a bit too risky, so I don't even. Yeah, you know, don't borrow. Don't borrow money uh, to, to invest. invest to invest in the stock yeah. market. Uh, you should be doing this, you know, with excess savings, like money you yes. don't need to live on. Yeah, if you're looking like, oh, I I need to double my money, or or I'm not going to be able to pay my rent, like 
you shouldn't be you yeah. shouldn't be investing uh, in the stock market. What you should be doing is taking, oh, I can save, you know, a hundred dollars a month and just putting that into the stock market every single month. That's called yeah. dollar cost averaging. Like your the stock market goes up nine percent every year, and you're just continually putting in a hundred dollars mm-hmm. uh, into good companies or into you know like an S and P five hundred ETF yeah. passive fund, something you know that's inexpensive like that. Um, and that's really the way that you want to be doing it. Absolutely. Awesome. But, and yeah. then in, t- in terms of options, I mean, options are just leveraged too. So like you, a call option or a put option is, you know, the option to buy a stock or option to sell a stock in the future, but they have tons of leverage, which is debt in- baked into the prices of them. And so they're super, super risky. So don't get involved in that either. If mm-hmm. like, unless you're super comfortable with, with the risk, but like you can, really, you can really get upside down on options. Absolutely. Yeah. No, music to my ears. That's what I wanted to say. I wanted wanted you to say. So that's awesome. (laughs) Um, You mentioned that you uh, have a a few different podcasts, but one, uh, you know, when we initially uh, chatted is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how, like, where did that come from? Because I know Wall Street Oasis, the website is kind of a separate thing. Yeah. So I told you I started the podcast in school and Mm -hmm. it was just me talking with business leaders and the guys at Wall Street Oasis, which has been around for like 10 years. It's Mm -hmm. this established website. It's a finance blog. So people that are trying to break into investment banking or private equity or management consulting, hedge funds, uh, it's a very active community. It gets like a million visitors a month and people go there and they're chatting about everything, about salaries and about groups and really specific stuff. When I worked in investment banking, we were interviewing someone and they were posting all of the questions that we were asking them in this, in this forum. So everyone else could see the questions we were asking them. And so it's, it's really a great resource. And so they heard my podcast and they said, we really like this. Why don't you, why don't you just make your podcast and have it live on wall street oasis? Mm. And so that's what it is. Now we talk with uh, you know, business leaders, founders, CEOs, bankers. Yeah, you investors. have some like big guests on there too, like mega. Uh, yeah, sometimes we get we get lucky, and you know, we get like a great CEO to come on, and they just give you know their story, their life advice, the ups, the downs of their career. Like I said, it's never all ups, even yeah. for you know, we had the CEO of Hulu come on, and like his career is a windy, turny thing. Recently, I had the founder of Google Voice yeah. come on, and like you know, he's. He, he basically said there, there was no plan for my career. You know, you're just taking step by step every day, learning as much as you possibly can, which is another Warren Buffett quote. Sorry, I really like Warren Buffett. Uh, you know what? He's awesome. Everyone loves him and I agree. He's the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we just, you know, we have on these people that have maybe found some success in their life. So we try to dissect how they did it, why they did it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you can get some motivation from it for the listener, like, that's that's really that would be great. That's the goal. What are some of uh, some stories or some guests that are some of your favorites? Uh, yeah, so I had on this like CEO coach who used to work at Goldman Sachs, mm-hmm. and he talked about you know how to achieve success and how to how to define what you're looking for and then how to achieve it. Uh, and he said like you have to ask yourself what's the thing I want? What's the thing that I truly want? And Really, he said, that's the false question. The valid question is, what can I do today that helps me ex- keep exploring that question? So mm-hmm. the goal isn't to find some fixed answer. The goal is to establish a process in life where you're constantly learning and living and seeking out 
the next thing. So you have to think of success as a process. It's, it's yeah. not a mystery. You know, all success can be broken down into a method and then like you can implement the, the steps on that method every day. So it doesn't sound like overwhelming to find out, um, to find out what you want. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Cause yeah, when it comes to success, my gosh, my idea of success has evolved so much just in the past. Well, since I graduated university seven or eight years ago, like it's completely different. And I mean, it will continue to evolve until I'm in my forties, fifties, sixties. So it's, I like that thing of it more as like, it's the journey, not the destination. Cause I don't, I've never met anyone who said, Oh, I finally achieved success. Like most successful people are like, ah, they're still trying to achieve this one next thing that there's always something else out there. Yeah, and you know, Craig Walker, the founder of Google Voice, he attributed a lot of his success to finding people that complimented him. You know, he thought, okay, I'm a smart, interesting guy, but uh, he attributes really his entire career to that he met the right couple of people and he realized that these people were smart and he kind of, you know, attached his ship to their star or whatever, however that, that saying goes. Um, and then also a lot of the podcast, we talk about realizing what you want versus what other people want. You know, mm-hmm. investment banking, while it sounded really sexy to me growing up, <laughs> it was something that other people wanted to do. It was never yeah. really what I wanted, what was right for me. And so you have mm-hmm. to differentiate, you know, like, oh, this is what everyone else wants and this is what I want. And so we, that's something that's really interesting to me because I just like went through it. And so we, we, talk, we talk a lot about that. Uh, I had on a like a partner at Google. He's got a really high up job. He manages like 5,000 people. And he talks, he talks about how Google interviews and like what they look for when they're hiring people. And he had this term Googliness. It's like 15% of the job application is like the Googliness of this person. And it basically means like how they thrive in ambiguous situations. And they want Hmm. people that can, you know, not have lots of data and find out how to get things done without it. Hmm, I like that. That's pretty cool. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd so, be a good, per, you know, episode. If anyone wants to work at Google, listen to that specific episode. You'll score that interview. Um, you also mentioned too that you uh, have this mobile payment startup. Do you want to talk about that? That sounds really interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we've built this app for large groups to collect and track money. And this, okay. this is a real startup. We're going after venture funding. The idea is yeah. to take over the world, you know, to become a huge company. And it's really different from my mindset. When I think, when I have been thinking of businesses, I think of like oh, a podcast or uh, like an advisory business that doesn't really require like funding to get off the ground. You can kind of just do it yourself versus this team that we're working on with this. I mean, we need to raise millions of dollars. We've spent almost a year developing a really sophisticated app. We've spent lots of money already. The way you think about onboarding users. So it's really, I'm learning so much. Yeah. And I'm learning about, you know, how to do a, a startup where you're going after venture funding, which is really hard. You know, they say it's, it's hard to get money when you need it and easy to get money when you don't need it. And yeah. we need money for this. And it is hard. It is super hard to get it, even with, you know, my network in finance and banking and all that. Mm-hmm. We call these people. And, and some of them write checks for us. But we're all basically first-time entrepreneurs. And so we're going through this. And, like, I can't even tell you, like, how much it's – I'm learning as much, if not more, than I did when I worked in investment banking. Wow. This the pace that, that, that things mature and, and we're going and uh, we're really learning a lot. So yeah. So what exactly an interesting does – Interesting experience. It's it, – yeah, what exactly does the app do? Because when you say kind of mobile payments, it's not like a PayPal or some, or is it? I don't know. 
so it's similar. It's a peer-to-peer payment. So okay. uh, you guys have Venmo in Canada? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. So how do you, how do you pay someone if like, you know, you go out to dinner, how do you, how do you pay someone 20 bucks? Um, I guess I'd go into my bank and do an email transfer. And then I oh. think sometimes you get charged a dollar or something to do that. Yeah. Uh, so like America, we're starting to have like the, the bank stuff, but really peer to peer payments is like the growing space. And eventually you won't be paying anyone. You won't be paying a dollar for that because people really don't like paying to pay their friends. No, it's that, annoying. Yeah. That sucks. Um, and so that's peer-to-peer payments. What we have built is we've built a platform on top of a peer-to-peer payments solution is for collecting money from large groups. Okay. So if you needed to, if you, you know, went on a trip or you're a manager of a club and you needed to collect a hundred dollars from 50 people, how would you do that? Mm. And the way that it's done now is you have an Excel spreadsheet and you've got everyone's name and you're tracking and people yeah. are paying you in cash and checks and like things like PayPal and things like your banking emails. And it's like, it's a mess to manage all of this. And so we've built an app where it's very simple to create a group. You can see everyone that's in the group and then you can start charging people. So if you go on a trip, it's like, okay, here's the, um, $1,000 for airfare. Here's the $500 for the house. And here's, an, here's you know, something we did together. And it's really simple to see who's paid and who hasn't paid. Yeah, uh, I like that. Because I mean, I went on a bachelorette trip a little while ago. And I think there was like 10 or 15 of us and trying to rat like, luckily, I actually wasn't responsible with the, the money stuff. It was, uh, I think the bride and it was a headache just trying yeah, to email. A, hey, so and so hasn't paid. Hey, but all the emails, full time, yeah. full time yeah. thing. And yeah. man, and someone paid for this and someone else paid for that. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's a nightmare. So it's really simple. We've created that you, you create a group, add people to it, charge them. Boom. So our initial market is college fraternities. Mm. Uh, and you know, they have a hundred people in a fraternity and they're collecting sometimes upwards of a few million dollars. Wow. The same way that I described with Excel and people are on payment plans and it's this really complicated process. Uh, and so we built something cool for that. We're days, hopefully days, maybe a couple of weeks away from, from launch. Ooh. And, uh, it's been an interesting process. Well, did you far. say the name of the app or can you, can you do that yet or no? Yeah, sure. It's okay. called pay. It's called pay club. Pay and club. You'll, be able, you'll be able to get it in the, in the iTunes store like really soon. Awesome. That's awesome. That sounds really exciting. Well, that sounds like you've had quite the uh, journey in your young life so far. <laughs> um, where can people find more information about you and all the cool things you're up to these days? Yeah. So check out our podcast. It's wallstreetoasis.com. I think if you slash podcasts, uh, and we have all of them there. There's like 30 of them. And, uh, or you can email me alex at wallstreetoasis.com too. Always happy to help people on their journeys. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure chatting with you and, and just like finding out what's going on in that wall street world. And I'm super excited for, um, your new app. That sounds awesome. Hopefully like maybe one day we'll see you on like Shark's Tank or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me, Jessica. You're a great interviewer and this was a lot of fun. You're so welcome. And that was my interview with Alex Grodnick from Wall Street Oasis Podcast. Make sure to uh, find him on iTunes, subscribe, uh, and also check him out at wallstreetoasis.com. That's where the podcast lives. Uh, lots of amazing, amazing episodes with some crazy guests like the CEO of Hulu, founder of Google Voice, and uh, many more voices in the investing sphere. So definitely go check that out. Um, and again, this is episode 156. So make sure to check out the show notes for this episode at Jessica Morehead. 
ChrisTomasMoreHouse.com slash 156. Uh, I'm going to put some more information about uh, things we talked about, some links that you'll want to check out, and also some very important details about a contest I am currently running. But I'm going to share more about that in a sec. Here's just a few words about this episode's sponsor. Track your hours, format the estimate, work out taxes, capture your expenses, chase that late payment, prepare the invoice, submit the proposal. Welcome to the worst part of being a freelancer, otherwise known as paperwork. The good news is that the good people at FreshBooks have created a ridiculously easy cloud accounting software for freelancers that turns tackling these time-sucking, never-ending tasks into no big thing. Send a polished invoice in 30 seconds, Set yourself up to get paid online in two clicks and manage your expenses by taking pictures of receipts from your phone. Oh, and if you need to whip up a quick proposal to land the gig, FreshBooks has you covered too. Now you can include an outline of your project, scope of work, and a timeline as part of your estimate. No more switching software, no more fussing over style and formatting, and most importantly, no more wasting your precious time. To find out all the ways FreshBooks will transform how you deal with your paperwork and to get a free 30-day trial, go to freshbooks.com slash mo and enter a Mo Money podcast in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Once again, that's freshbooks.com slash mo and enter Mo Money podcast in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Okay, let's get to the good stuff. So uh, I mentioned this last week, so you may already know this if you listened to last week's episode, but I'm running a pretty the awesome contest. I'm giving away two tickets to the Leaders and Icons conference happening here in Toronto uh, on May 10th. And why it's pretty cool is, well, A, these tickets, like one ticket is worth, I think, $400. I'm giving away two. So it's like worth $800, people. That's pretty crazy. And the featured speaker is uh, James Comey, who's the uh, former director of the FBI, who's uh, just came out with a book and uh, he's in the news quite a bit because of, you know, the man in the White House. So uh, if you would like to uh, enter to win a pair of tickets or one ticket or whatever, um, go to the show notes, jessicamorehouse.com slash 156. I put a link in there to make it easy peasy. Or just go to jessicamorehouse.com slash leaders conference. That'll also direct you to the uh, contest uh, submission page. So good luck. Uh, It is completely random. I've I've had a few people tweet at me being like, oh, I hope and like I hope you do too but literally what I do because this is what I used to do with my uh one of my first jobs ever was pulling uh contest winners just pull an excel spreadsheet close my eyes maybe do a little twirl to confuse myself and uh then point my finger at the screen and whoever is you know under my finger is the winner so totally random but uh wish everyone who enters uh, a ton of luck um some other exciting news um well I don't know if this is super exciting for you, but it's exciting for me. So I am finally, after almost five years living in Toronto, finally making my way to uh, the Big Apple, New York City. I'm going to uh, New York next week. Um, first for a, a kind of a, a, re- a retreat with some of my uh, blogger uh, friends. We're kind of doing kind of a mastermind retreat. So that'll be super nerdy and fun. I can't wait uh, in the cat skills. And then uh, I'm going to spend a few days with uh, my husband in New York. City. And I'm super pumped because honestly, New York City is so close to Toronto. It's ridiculous. It's taking me this long to get there, but it's my first time. And I think I've built it up, you know, really, really big in my head because 
it seems like every single movie is always, um, you know, shot or, you know, uh, you know, situated in New York City. All the books I've been reading lately, all the people that have their biographies, they've all lived in New York City. So anywho, pretty pumped and uh, can't wait. So that being said, if you are listening right now, find me on Twitter and let me know um, if you've ever been or you live there, you have any suggestions on what I should do. I'm taking suggestions. I haven't planned a thing. I'm going to kind of just wing it because sometimes that's the most fun I have when traveling is not making too many plans and just kind of seeing what happens, but always like suggestions. So if I'm in an area and I'm like, oh, wait, someone told me about that. I'll check it out. Anyway, so that's super exciting for me personally. Just thought I'd share. Um, and also, as I kind of teased um, uh, last week, I believe, uh, me and Jacqueline Phillips. So, you know, we created our kind of personal, uh, you know, br- our brand, our lifestyle brand called Rich and Fit. And so we have the Rich and Fit Bootcamp. Of course, it is available uh, for you to enroll anytime. But we are just putting the finishing touches on um, uh, splitting up those two courses into individual courses. So we are going to be launching Rich and Fit Financial Foundations and Rich and Fit Fitness Foundations uh, very, very soon. So uh, our website is ready to go. I just have to press the launch button, but uh, we're just uh, working on a few extra details. And I'm hopeful that for next week, I'll be able to share that it is alive because uh, I've been working really hard on it and I'm pretty, pretty excited. So basically, just to give you an idea in a nutshell what, what these two courses will be is if number one for the financial foundations, if you just feel like you need some help on just the foundational aspects of personal finance, so that's really about like you know, looking at your money, what's going on with your net worth? Are you tracking your spending? Are you budgeting? And then beyond that, because it's more than just, you know, numbers and spreadsheets and everything like that. Because there's so many free options. You can just like do that yourself, but that's, we want to give you results and our course does. So we really talk about, you know, mindset, motivation, spending triggers, acceptance, and all the other aspects that you need to move forward with your personal finances once you've got that those financial find out foundations locked down. So that is kind of what you can expect from uh, the financial find foundations course, which I'm, I'm really excited about. On the fitness side, well, it's very similar. It's all those foundational aspects for fitness. So uh, especially since we're entering springtime, summertime, for me, this is always like when it gets nicer out, this is when I kind of like, hey, I should really start focusing on my fitness and my health again. Well, this is probably the a really great way to just start you off in that direction. So there's meal plans, there's workouts, there's workout videos. And uh, similarly to the uh, finance side, it's not just about working out and eating healthy because if it was that easy, we'd all be doing it. It's really talking about, you know, accepting where you are, figuring out what your triggers are for like eating poorly or not working out, um, finding that motivation, uh, setting goals for yourself, all this amazing stuff. Um, so yeah, so look out for that. Uh, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to announce it next week. And uh, yeah, can't wait. So Anyways, that's just a little bit more info about that. Um, Okay, I've been yabbering for long enough, haven't I? I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to see you back here next Wednesday for a fresh new episode of the Mo Money Podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.